Hi, this is Lawrence Krauss, and you're listening to The CA. Welcome to The CA, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. This podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So if you get offended, switch off. The CA records each Sunday live from Apostasy Studios. For more, please visit our Facebook page for the latest news, updates, and previews on some upcoming shows. You can email us at theca at rogers.com, and if we're amused or tweaked by your email, we'll use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. Hey everybody, and welcome to the CA. Today is Wednesday, August the 2nd, and this is Michael. Uh, Dean's not uh, Dean's not with me for uh, this episode. Uh, this is just a little bit of a bonus uh, but don't worry, uh, Dean, my rock, my anchor, the uh, person who keeps me in line, will be back on uh, on Sunday, and uh, we'll have a whole episode full of all kinds of goodness. But uh, but this is something special, just a little bit of a, of a bonus uh, episode. Um, this is my conversation with Professor Lawrence Krauss, and um, I wanted just to put it out there just as a little bit of, uh, of an extra, not uh, tied into a, a regular episode, because... Dean and I tend to go on and on and on in the episodes, and uh, I didn't want to have a three-hour episode um, coming up this week, so I'm just going to release it on its own. Professor Krauss and I talk about uh, lots of different things, um, probably most notably his uh, his newest book, uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far, and we also get into some some other things. I, I ask him his opinion on uh, on stuff like, you know, what's going on south of the uh, border with the Orange Nightmare, and uh, some of his appointments, like, you know, Secretary of... Uh, of um, miseducation or uneducation, Betsy DeVos, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess when you say, you only have to say one, et cetera, right? I'm an adult. Uh, anyway, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, my conversation with uh, Professor Krauss, and uh, we shall see you next week. Take care. All right, and joining me now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, the star of uh, movies like The Unbelievers with uh, Professor Richard Dawkins, and the Warner Herzog film *Salt and Fire*, which premiered at TIFF last year, uh, he's a science advocate and well, and uh, as well as a feared debater. Uh, you can uh, see him in such conversations and debates with people like William Lane Craig on YouTube. Uh, he's the author of over 300 books and papers, including *The Physics of Star Trek*, *Quantum Man*, uh, *The Fear of Physics*, *A Universe of Nothing*, and most recently, *The Greatest tor- Story Ever Told So Far*. Professor Lawrence Krauss, welcome to the Canadian Atheist. Oh, it's nice to be with you virtually. Yes, yeah. Well, we we got to spend a little bit of time together uh, personally at, uh, yeah. at INR, um, but uh, but yeah, it is good to to, to finally chat. So, um, so your your new book how's how's it going so far? You must be uh, you must well they must all be gone. There's none left, right? You've sold them all. <laughs> well, I wish that was the case. Well, no, actually, no, I don't because then they always produce more. Um, but it's it's. Uh, it's. I don't. I don't. I try not to follow the details of how it's going. I. I the. Uh, I get a lot of feedback from people who write to me and and seem to enjoy it. Um, and uh, and I've uh, around the world. There's been great interest whenever I've spoken about it. And the bottom line is, I generally try and write books uh, that do what I want to do. And if I and and if I'm proud of what I've done, the rest I don't have much control over. So, uh, um, it's. Uh, it's, um, um, I'm very proud of the book. I'm very pleased with what I did. And I realize that, that it gives a history that's, uh, that, that isn't easy for some people, but the story isn't easy. And, and if his story was easy, it wouldn't be the greatest story ever told so far. That's right. And so 
I wanted to present a view that uh, a perspective that I don't think has existed in the in the uh, in the literature before of exactly the amazing history of particle physics in the last part of the 20th century and, and how much it's changed our perspective of ourselves. And that meant going into some details that 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 um, are not easy, but really affect the way physicists think about the world. And as someone who tries to to communicate just that, it would be disingenuous of me to, it seemed to me, to gloss over um, the complexities. Yeah, I, so for a layman like me, I'm not a scientist. Um, after reading A Universe from Nothing, which I loved, I loved that book, um, uh-huh. I thought it was so well written, but it was, it was easier for me to digest. Uh, Greatest Story We're Told So Far was a lot more for me to digest. Well, well, yeah, and I understand that, and I thought about it. <clears throat> the Universe from Nothing, <coughs> excuse me, talked about the amazing revolutions that have taken place in understanding the universe on the larger scales. And in some sense, it's easy, although the concepts are mind-blowing. Um, the, 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 the level of, of depth of, of understanding is much, is much different. And when it comes to the revolutions in our understanding of the universe on the small scales, there's been a huge amount of, well, the history is amazing. And to me, I, I think that, that the fact that there's much more to digest is important because the red herrings that happen, the going in the wrong direction, all of that illustrates what I think is really important to understand about science, that, that, that scientists themselves can be deluded or biased or whatever, but the science science itself overcomes that. The data and, and the scientific process drags people in the right direction. And I think that's really important to illustrate, uh, that, 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 uh, that very fact that, that we, are, we all sort of want to believe. And, and it, even for scientists, it takes a great amount to get us to change our minds, but we eventually do. And that's the wonderful thing about science is that we can change our minds. So um, in any case, I, 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 I appreciate that there was a lot more to digest, but I think that's great because there's a lot more to the story. I mean, our, at a fundamental level, our understanding of the universe, of particle physics, is a lot greater than understanding of the universe as a whole. There have been revolutions in understanding cosmology, but but we're sort of just beginning to to pierce that 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 web that is the universe. And 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 what we've done so effectively in 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 our understanding of the small scales is to is to go beneath the illusion that is reality, tear away that fabric and expose an amazing, amazing universe beneath. And I think it's worth celebrating that in all its detail. And, and I, would, I would agree. It took me, yeah, it, it took me about twice as long to get through it but, it, but it was well worth it. And again, not being a scientist. So, so here's Thank something. You. So for all the people now that are hearing this, they're going to run out and get your books. Should they, <laughs> is it worthwhile to start with a universe from nothing first? Because I found... <laughs> I found it was easier, well, easier, um, but I found it as a helpful base to work from, to have a kind of a general understanding and then dive way deeper. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're really about sort of slightly, slightly different topics. One's a larger scale, one's a small scale. They're related in intimate ways, as I talk about in both books. The Universe of Nothing is, much, is a short, uh, frankly, also is a much shorter book. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a quicker read. So I think uh, for those people perhaps new to science books, that's that's uh, uh, an easier start than 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 a than than the greatest story ever told so far. Although I try to lead people through from Plato to to, to Maxwell and Faraday through the really early periods of physics, which I think are really, I hope that material is accessible in a in a direct way and may reveal to people things they 
they hadn't understood before, including uh, I'm very proud of the discussion of relativity in, in the new book, which I think is long overdue uh, in, in, in popular science books. But, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, so I, yeah, sure. Begin with the universe, nothing, but in fact, begin with earlier books. I mean, the physics of Star Trek is a long time ago, but it, but it covers a number of these topics in a way that's for some people less intimidating because it, it's related to Star Trek and people are more willing to worry about warp drive and time travel perhaps, or, or, or even fear of physics, which is really about the fundamental ideas that physicists use to describe the world. But in any case, um, of course, my advice is to buy all of them and start randomly. <laughs> well, of course, of course. So, so one thing I want to talk to you about is so, and I've heard you say this in many of the talks. I'm saying you know, you're a teacher, and you talk so. Pa- one of the things that I have found so captivating about listening to you, listening to you talk, because I, I saw you. I remember the first time I saw you was at NonCon 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, where you give the keynote there, and then again at, uh, at INR. And I've watched tons of things that you've done online and, and so on and so forth. But you talk so passionately about science and about being an educator. So one, I want to ask you, just how troubled are you with some of the stuff that's going on in the U.S. right now? You've got people, <laughs> I mean, you've got people like between Pruitt and Rick Perry, and in my, in, in my estimation at least, you know, coming you know, from, from Canada. But, I mean, you, you grew up in Canada too. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the crown jewel, Betsy DeVos. Um, yeah. How worried are you about, you know, like the quality of students coming out or the lack of a desire to pursue the, the hard sciences moving forward? Well, look, I'm, I write about it a lot. A lot of people write me every day and say, I'll stick to science. Don't talk about politics. And the point is that science is an essential part of public policy, or should be. Empirical reality should actually enter in to discussions of public policy. As I wrote in a piece that just appeared about my most recent concern about Trump's war on science, uh, you know, good good science and good policy go hand in hand. So I write about this because I'm extremely concerned by the fact that in every way this administration is censoring science, discrediting scientists, to making policies that 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 ignore science and also not supporting the science that's going to keep this country uh, in the United States and and in other places fiscally and healthy and 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 safe and and sound in the near in the future. Uh, investments in fundamental research 50 years ago are responsible for the standard of living we have now, and a government that ignores that, it ignores it at its peril, at least the peril for our children and their grandchildren, maybe not immediately. So I'm very concerned. You know, the the, the impacts in the immediate sense on students, I, I think, are are not so obvious, except the United States, for example, is we benefited in this country from the bringing the best young people in the world here to our graduate school. I mean, well, I don't know whether I'm the, one of the best, but I'm an example of I grew up in Canada. I came to America, United States because of the graduate schools and to be educated. And, and, and some people stay and some people go back to the countries they came from and help them, which is great. But, 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 those, but the, bringing the best students in helps the infrastructure of this country in important ways. If we stop leading in, at the forefront, then, then that will disappear. And, and that will hurt at least us. Some people will go elsewhere and other economies might flourish. But um, so, so I'm not seeing it in the immediate sense, although there are, because of constraints on immigration and fear of immigrants, I think there are many students who we might see coming to the United States who are not. And that's the saddest thing, because we should be encouraging the best and brightest to come here to study instead of trying to keep them out. I, I just find that so tragic 
that all even from you know from Muslim countries from every country there are young people who want to learn who want to who want to contribute who are who are who are talented and eager and and keeping them out is 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 just the most short-sighted ill-planned nonsense that I can imagine. Um, now, one thing that is good, I think, is that, and I felt this a little bit in the in the in the Bush administration too, that I think in some sense young people are seeing what's happening and becoming. I, I don't want to use the word radicalized because people jump on me for that, mm. but becoming politicized or at least more aware of the problems and challenges, and beginning to question and be skeptical and maybe become active. So I think in response to uh, to uh, a lot of this nonsense, we're seeing we're seeing a, a growing awareness among young people that they shouldn't buy the, the garbage, and we see it even you know it, this fiasco that's happened with healthcare. I understand now that ten percent more Americans are now responding that they think government should provide healthcare than before, which is great. So if, if I mean it's been a tragedy, but if it at least wakes people up to the need to take care of each other, that's great. We're seeing people. We're seeing the subscriptions to the New York Times and MSNBC and you know a soar while while people while the viewership in Fox is falling. Those things are good, at least some good signs. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, friends, I've been speaking with Professor Lawrence Krauss, and I should give a little bit more of your bio, talk about more about what you do. Um, so, um, Professor Krauss is the director of the Origins Project at Arizona State University. And hopefully I get this right, he's the co-director of the Cosmology Initiative and also a foundation professor professor in the School of Earth and Space Exploration and Physics Department. I wouldn't want to have to write your business cards. That's a lot to try <laughs> we had, to... <laughs> we've had problems with that. We have two-sided business cards because there's too much of one. Um, yeah, too many, too many titles. So that's... No, that's... It's, it's true. When I was... Uh, when I w We were emailing back and forth a, a little bit and you, you see that, you know, mine is, you know, Michael. And yours is this, this, you know, this paragraph of, of stuff. It's uh, something to be admired. So I have a few, uh, I have a few questions that have been submitted by by listeners. Uh, the, the first, the first one's mine. Um, I I love the uh, just to go back for everyone who wasn't at INR. Um, uh, Lawrence did a great uh, keynote and he showed uh, some some awesome pictures. One of the pictures you showed was you at the Large Hadron Collider. Standing oh, yeah. this, this massive piece of metal and explaining, you know, it was more more iron than was in the Eiffel Tower and stuff like that. Um, so you've done a lot of work at DLHC. Are you going back there anytime soon? Well, I mean, let me let me preface that by saying I I've done a lot of work associated with the LHC. I'm a theoretical physicist, so I have not screwed a single wire right. yeah, into yeah. place. Or I'm amazed and awed by my experimental colleagues who can build such a machine. Um, I, I have spent time there. I spent a year there actually once uh, uh, as a something I think a distinguished visiting scientist or something. Um, but so so I, I like the rest of the community. I use and follow what's going on there in very important ways. Uh, and so what's great, in fact, one of the reasons we have the internet is because particle physicists realize that that we need to distribute information and resources. And so the World Wide Web was developed at, the, at, the, at CERN because there were thousands of physicists working on experiments and they didn't need to be in Geneva to analyze data. And it didn't really matter which computer was doing what. Right. So everyone could share the information. And the World Wide Web was created just for that. And of course, we're now all the beneficiaries. So I can, 
I can follow and study what's going on at the Large Hadron Collider without being there. Nevertheless, it's always inspiring to go. Um, so I try and get back uh, whenever I can. I'm going to have to make sure my wife listens to this part because she's pretty sure the Internet was invented for Facebook. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to make so sure. It's one of the examples of, of you never know where great developments are going to come from and the, and the spinoffs of fundamental research. Now, we can't justify the Large Hadron Collider because of the World Wide Web. We should justify it because... Trying to understand our origins is important for any modern civilization, but nevertheless, we should realize that when we spend money on on, on producing new complex technologies, there are always unexpected side effects. Some of them good, some of them bad, but but great discoveries are made one way or the other. Right. Um, so one uh, question I had uh, emailed in from Ian in Great Britain uh, wrote in this question: Have you ever been asked to work on the ISS, and is that something you'd want to do? Uh, no, I've never been asked to work on it. There is a particle, there's a particle physics experiment, which in fact is up there that I don't think should have been funded in the sense that it didn't go through normal funding channels. They bypass funding channels. Um, it's not doing on, it's probably the only useful experiment aboard the ISS. Uh, I, I largely think, uh, and this may disappoint the person who asked this question. I largely think that the international space station has been a huge waste of money from really? a point of view of science. It hasn't, it's not a sign. In the past, I've said the greatest experiment you could do with the ISS is let it fall in the ocean and see how big a wave it made. Wow. But, um, but, uh, but, you know, it's up there and it, we might as well use it uh, to the extent we can. But it's, it's, it's a, over $100 billion. It, like most, look, the point, what we learned from the ISS is how people can exist in space 200 miles above the earth for long periods. Okay. And and what we learn from human space exploration, to the extent we learn it, is how to keep people alive in those environments. We don't send humans into space to do science. If we want to do great science, generally, it doesn't involve humans. Because when you involve humans, 99% of the cost, or 99.9% of the cost, is devoted to getting them there and back alive, leaving very little for the science. As I've said many times, you can send, in principle, a rover to Mars for the cost of making a movie about sending Bruce Willis to Mars. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, so another question, another question I have here is, what's the best advice you can give to a budding young scientist uh, as they enter you know, different scientific fields uh, or to people who love science but are still very, still very young? So you're talking well, to... Well, I try young... not to give too much advice uh, if I can help it. Um, but the basic thing I'd say is don't forget why you're interested in what you're doing. In the process of going through school or other things, there'll be very discouraging things that go on. But keep remembering why you're excited. And that should be without, throughout your career. Keep remembering what it is that excites you about what you're doing so you don't lose the forest for the trees. Uh, I've, I've distilled that down by, by, quoting a, by quoting a famous sentence, which I'm sometimes hesitant to say, but it, it, I've distilled it down to the sentence, don't let the bastards get you down. Ultimately, um, just remember why you're excited. And if you lose your excitement, do something else because you, the real reason to do science is because you enjoy it, frankly. If you don't enjoy it, you won't do well at it. And, you won't, and, and I, I, while science helps the world, I don't think scientists choose to go into science because they want to help the world. They go into it because they find it fascinating. The byproducts... Uh, can help, but but ultimately follow your passions, and I think and don't be 
and don't worry so much about a job early on. Uh, follow your passions and 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 work hard at what excites you. That's ultimately it's pretty bland advice, perhaps, but that's my advice. Well, I think it's a great piece of advice. So um, now this is an atheist theme podcast, so I can't let you go without asking you one question about gods. Um, okay. So, so the question I want to ask you is: in all the talks and debates and discussions that you've ever had, in, in when it comes to gods, um, has there ever been an argument presented to you that has made you think you might be wrong or that there is a god? No. <laughs> Short, <laughs> distinct. No. no, there's no evidence that. I mean, I often say the only time I think that that I personally wonder if there's a god is when something bad happens to me because I probably deserve it. But <laughs> <laughs> but but um uh uh no, I mean, if there's one good piece of evidence, then that's the wonderful thing. I mean, I've debated with people, and they say, "What would what would make you change your mind?" And the answer would be evidence. Sure. That's I like to think that that would be. Uh, be the the reason to change one's mind, and the whole point of all this is that there's no evidence, and and that's and that's enough to make everyone everyone should should question things for which there's no evidence. That doesn't mean to be to be being an atheist doesn't mean to certainty about about the non-existence of purpose in the universe. It just means you don't buy the arguments, the facile arguments that have present been presented. To argue that there is purpose, or is that we've been watched over, we're being watched over by whoever or whatever, and that and many people call that agnostic. But uh, you know, I wrote the foreword for an old book on the, I think it was called the Case for Atheism. But uh, I and I, when I was reading it, I realized his point was very good, which is that most people who call themselves agnostics are, by definition, atheists. An atheist is just someone who doesn't find and the evidence compelling enough to accept. Uh, Blindly on faith, the, the existence of, of of entities that some people claim exist. That's it. That's all it is. I think that's good. I agree. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> so what's so what have you got coming up next? Are you, are you working on another book? Yeah, I'm always working on another book. I suppose and other projects. I'm trying to finish a science project and some other and, and my origins project is 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 a is running a huge event, our 10th anniversary next year, and I'm in the middle of coordinating that. Um, I am, um, I am uh, working with my friend Noam Chomsky on something, and uh, and hopefully uh, that will come out in a year. And uh, and then I have another another science book in 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 mind, which which. Uh, which I think will be a lot of fun, but I won't talk about it. <laughs> oh man! Okay. Uh, what about what about well, other appearances? Well, I mean, uh, you know, and and I should say we're working on some film. I mean, I, I'm involved in in films in a variety of ways, and and of course, often appear in, in them lately, and and help produce some of them. And and uh, with my young colleagues who produce the Unbelievers, I've been producing a, a small science fiction film that they've been doing, and I don't know when that'll come out. And may appear in, in another movie, but but uh, we're working on what I hope will be a very important long-term movie. But that's again, I can't talk about it right at this point. Appearances, I'm unfortunately I I am all over the world, <laughs> and uh, I try to limit the, the what I do. And happily, this summer I'm uh, for the rest of the summer I'm staying put. But but I'll be in. Um, uh, uh, um, beginning in September, well, other than going up to see some polar bears in September, I'll be in 
on the um, East Coast. I'll be in, in the Canary Islands. I'll be in, in actually in Ottawa and Canada. I'll be in Amsterdam and Sweden and and Las Vegas and um, um, and, a ho- and 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 Philadelphia. So I'll be just follow my website and you'll see where I'll be. But I'm, I'm I um, I try to say no as much as I can. But but I end up being spending a lot of time on the road. Right. So another film. So it, I, I didn't I didn't think the end of Salt and Fire left room for a sequel. <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, it won't be a sequel to Salt and Fire, and uh, it, and uh, I enjoyed. I mean, it was an honor to make a movie with Werner Herzog, and it was an honor for him to trust me that. And it was the first time I had an acting role, other than playing myself. I played myself in in, in a movie once, but but um, and so it was fun. And uh, but it's not something I want to do for a regular living. But but I've been asked to do one or two other things, and it's fun to do. So I I like to, I like to do one of the great pleasures and privileges of having achieved whatever level of notoriety I've achieved or celebrity I've achieved is that I get to do a lot of fun things. And, and I like to take advantage of seeing, of trying and, and uh, of experiencing those different aspects of, uh, of life. And um, I'm very privileged to do so. Yeah. I, I think for everyone who hasn't uh, seen Salt and Fire, uh, go out and get it. It's probably available on various media outlets right now. But, uh, but Lawrence has the best line in the whole movie. I'm not going to say spoil that, but he's the best. I I will agree with you that I think I'm the best lines in that movie and maybe the costumes as well. Um, I was very, I was very lucky uh, in that aspect. I'm, I'm, um, and um, anyway, people can decide it's, it's an unusual movie. And so it, so people have had very mixed reactions, but I, I, but I, I was fortunate anyway to, 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 to have the role I did. No, no, it was great. It was great. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule and, and relaxation schedule to, uh, to talk with us and uh, hope to see you on the road soon. Okay, um, we'll see you up in Canada at some point soon. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I hope to be back in, in, in Toronto at some point. There's some chance that I might do an event up there in the new year. Right, um, and, awesome. and, uh, and good luck uh, good luck up there. And you never know if things keep getting bad here, I may move north again one day. Well, we've got a spare room <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if things get really you. bad. All right, take care. This has been The CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.